Hello, folks. Um, we're going simulcast here, of course, on Radio FM 88 Australia. You can actually catch the show on Radio FM 88 Australia. It's a YouTube channel. And you can also go to the Facebook pages, Radio FM 88, or you can go Dreaming the New Dream. In the meantime, um, our illustrious <laughs> guest is coming from the UK, same as our host, Andrina. So it's nine o'clock in the morning for those girls. So they've actually got up and... Um, had a cup of tea and now they're ready for business and so it's a, my great pleasure to bring Andrina on the show to introduce our guest. Thank you Jeffrey. good morning, good afternoon, good day and welcome if you're listening to the replay. Um, today it's my great pleasure to have Holly Wharton on the show um, and the reason I brought her on the show is because I am a forest, as you know, I love trees, I love nature, I love the fairies and anything to do with magic and mystery um but i was in glastonbury probably a year ago and i was looking for a book and a book literally sort of fell out in front of me as they do and this is my book if trees could talk and i just absolutely love it and i i read it i put it down and then i can't remember which page or it falls out and i go backwards and forwards and um i just out of all the books i bought recently i have to say this is my favorite i just love it so um, I am a tree hugger, <laughs> um, and yes, I'm away with the fairies, but I, lo I love being in woodlands and going in ancient woodlands and connecting with the trees, and I'm working towards hearing um, hearing the trees come, come back to me. So I'm really looking forward to you sharing how this started and your adventure, because I know you've walked many, many miles over the land. You've been around sacred sites. So take it away, Holly, and welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I love any opportunity to talk about trees and to share their story, because that's what they asked me to do with that book. That book was... Mm. It was a, a mission that was given to me by a yew tree, and so my job has been to just get their stories out into the world. How long ago was you know was were you given the mission? Uh, I think that was January of 2018, so it wasn't too long ago. Hmm. And and I spent the entire year collecting stories for the book, and then I published the book the following year in 2019, I think. Yeah. So yeah. Mm -hmm. So where did it start then you know you connecting with the trees because this came about later on in life it did it came out about i don't know five or six years ago and it was something that i had never thought about it was something i didn't seek out um i have this friend in in the states vicky young who's an akashic records reader and she provided this uh, weekly akashic records reading service where she would just kind of dip into your records get a little message for you each week and then type it up to you in an email and send it out to you it was kind of like whatever you needed to know that week from your records and um, it was a fantastic service and so this one week the records keeper said to me next time when you're out in your walk go up to a tree and talk to it and put your hands on its bark and feel its energy running through you and see if it activates any chakras and then see what it has to say to you. And I thought, I don't know how to do that. And, and so I went out on this walk and I was alone in the middle of the woods and doing my thing. And I thought, well, I'll just give it a try. So I walked up to a tree and I put my hands on it and it said, it's okay. And I thought, Okay, that's kind of weird. So I went up to another tree and I thought, well, maybe I got that wrong. And the other tree said, it's okay. And I thought, I don't know what's wrong, but okay, I guess it's okay. And then I kept walking and I got lost. 
a few minutes later. And I got turned around in the woods and I was in an area I'd never been to before and I didn't have a map with me. Um, now I always carry a map. Um, and and I just got turned around and I started to kind of panic because I didn't know where I was and I didn't know how to get out. And then I remembered what the trees had said, it's okay. And so I thought, oh, well, maybe they knew what was gonna happen to me. So maybe I should ask a tree how to get back on my track. And so I went up to a new tree and I just put my hands on its bark and I, I said, can you please help me get back on the route that I was walking? And it said, yeah, yeah, you keep going and turn left here, get on that trail, turn left here, and you'll get back on track. And I thought, okay, that sounds too easy, but I did it and it was right. And I got back on track and that was when I realized my life had changed. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was like I was entering a whole new phase of my life because I had now had access to this this information and this whole new world that that I didn't have access to before. I did, but I didn't know it. Mm, mm, mm. Fabulous. So so obviously, um, as your book unfolds, you know, you've so do you want to sort of I don't quite know where to take this because it's, it's just such a big open area and um so you've 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 collected your story so where are like the most sacred trees that you've been to or have you got any really favorite places that um that are really magical for you and that uh, you can share with us yeah i mean i i think all trees are just wonderful and i think any tree that you feel drawn to connect with is going to be magical and wonderful. Um, but my spatial favorite place in the world is Avebury. Mm. And a lot of the books, a lot of the trees in the book are from Avebury and the surrounding area. And during the time that I was working on this book, I was visiting Avebury quite frequently, sometimes twice a month. And there we go. You've got the Avebury beaches there. Um, I knew that straight away when you sent that photo through yesterday. I said, I know you, trees, and you didn't even tell me, but I've known you. Yeah, yeah. So, yep, they're, they're beautiful. So Avery is my special place, and I just feel there's so much magical energy in that area, and, hmm. and it just it's, it's a place that just feeds my soul. So I would say it's my favorite hmm. place. Yeah, and I, I mean, there's a lot of places where you can go, and they call them wishing trees, don't they, yeah. where people – you know, put the ribbons on and yeah. do a wish or leave it in for a loved one. Um, and I, and I, I think it's really lovely because I think the trees must love that as well because, yeah. you know, to be decorated in ribbons. Yes, yes, I think they do. <laughs> yeah. So you've walked, well, I think you've walked thousands of miles across the land. So would you like to share some of the magical... Um, so have you done, obviously taken groups... And when you wrote your book and you, you were getting all the knowledge, did you sort of set off in a specific route and connect with the trees that way? Or did you sort of just go down there and meet that tree and talk to that one? And um... It was more, it, it wasn't very organized. So it was more like I would go on a walk somewhere and a tree would say to me, I'm in your book. And I'd be like, okay. And I would kind of make a mental note. And then I would come back when I had more time to, to sit with it and to collect its story. So it was, you know, it was a lot of trees that just approached me on my walks. You know, I would be in Savernick Forest, which is what we're looking at now. And I would be walking through and, and there's a lot of special ancient oaks in Savernick. And, and so 
one day I just kind of went through there and just started walking and, and the trees started reaching out to me and calling out to me sometimes even before I could see them. And, and so I just collected a bunch of stories through Savernick because um, those trees are very special there. Mm. I, have you ever been to Burnham beaches? No, I haven't. I, I, when I was staying um, at my son's or a little while ago, um, somebody mentioned that and I went there oh my gosh the tr ancient trees there oh, mm. it, it was like on the peace like when you went further on in the, the peace in there it was just oh. like you just stepped into another world it was absolutely amazing um yeah just definitely if you haven't been to Burnham Beaches oh, I'd yeah. highly say go there it's absolutely really really stunning um Right. What, what else was I going to ask you? There's so many questions um, regarding trees. So have you come across any fairies or any little beings on your travels? No, I, there was one time uh, when I was collecting the story from the uh, Chalice Well use. Oh, yeah. and, and I got kind of a tap on my shoulder and turned around and, of course, couldn't say anything. Uh, but I got the very clear message that I'm meant to write a book about them similar to the way I did with the trees but that hasn't it, the, it's time hasn't come yet so right mm. some, oh, some point perhaps yeah 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 no I look forward to that one <laughs> um right okay so yes so tell us about how you started when you started walking where you went and um and then the groups that you've met and connected with I know because you've You've got all sorts of um, groups that you've set up and you work with. and Yeah, I don't actually take people out. Uh, I used to take groups out walking once yeah. a month. Um, I haven't done that in years and years. Um, I mostly spend time alone out in nature. That's, yeah. that's kind of my thing, whether I'm running or walking or just wandering around. I, I tend to like to just go out alone and mm. spend my time with trees. Mm. Um, podcast you do a lot of podcasts as well yes yes I have a podcast called Into the Woods and that's about personal growth through outdoor adventures whether that's walking running cycling whatever it is that people do so I talk about my own adventures and how how I've grown from them and the things that come up for me as I'm planning new adventures and how I'm working through them and how they've contributed to my life and then I get guests come on the show to talk to me about their adventures and then I learn from them so so did you just call it out in the woods did you sorry did you call the podcast out in the woods into the woods into the woods okay yeah, yeah. into the yeah. woods okay yeah carry on um so another thing that um I find hard over here is when people just chop down the trees mm. without any warning. Because mm. um, I I always say to people, you know, it's it's a living spirit, mm. um, and you know you connect with the tree. And like I know trees are so healing. I mean, I often like through different things in life, I've sat with my back against a tree and just sat mm. there and connected and, and just felt so much better and I know yeah. like in reading your books you can ask them to help you with you know things that are going on in your life yeah. or 
um, and also for a healing to take mm -hmm. away what's troubling you at the moment. Yes. So, um, which I don't think a lot of people realise how mm -hmm. important that is. So, um, any tips on on that sort of you know sitting connecting with the trees and grounding? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, when I start collecting the stories for the book, I had no idea what to expect. I wasn't sure what kind of stories the trees were going to have. And so I was quite surprised when I realized that all, pretty much all of their tips were how to connect with trees so that you can reconnect with yourself. They really want to help us because they know that the more that we connect to nature, the better decisions we'll make for the planet and that will eventually help them as well. So there were so many ways on, on how to connect with trees. One of them, as you said, was to sit with your back up against a tree and to kind of ask the tree to, to take your troubles or to take your worries from you and, and really visualize how that tree kind of pulls your, your worries or your troubles from your body and then sends them down to the ground to be transmuted into something neutral. Um, so when the tree takes this from you, it doesn't hurt the tree. It just processes it um, and the trees know how to do that but I think I think whatever is going on for people you know whatever struggles they might have or worries or stress you can take that out to nature and you can ask the trees to help you with it if you have questions about what you should do in life and and go to the tree ask the tree for help and and see what comes you know you might not get a full conversation in your head like I do you might get an image that serves as a symbol, which will give you your answer. You might get a smell or a taste in your mouth. There are different ways of, of picking up messages and, and not everyone is going to get a clear sound or a clear voice in their head like I do. Mm -hmm. And it's opening up your awareness, isn't it? Or yeah. your psychic abilities and yeah. your sense and your touch. Um, yeah. I think the most important thing is is to slow down. That's one of the things that the trees mm -hmm. told me over and over and over is slow down, you move too fast. And <laughs> if you if you want to start communicating with the trees or to connect more with nature, you've got to just slow right down. I mean, for years, I was walking, walking, walking through forests and, and really enjoying being out in nature. And, and there's a time and a place for that. But if, if you want to achieve these deeper connections you've really got to just slow down sit with the tree and just calm down like just relax maybe close your eyes open your eyes like listen to what's going on around you look at all the little squirrels or whatever you, birds you've got just really tune into all the little details that are around you and that helps you slow down and really connect with all the different elements you might look at the plants that are underneath the trees look at any fallen leaves on the ground it's it's there's a lot that that you can do to connect with nature from just slowing down mm, mm. and I think I you know I can speak for myself but I've been busy 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 I've been a, a busy yeah. bee really yeah. <laughs> I'm like since I've come back to um the UK um, of course, with lockdown and what have you, everything sort of stopped. And mm -hmm. and then, like where I am now, it's it's like pausing for breath. Now it's really, mm -hmm. you know, you don't have to go there, Russia or do you know? It's just it's turning things around, isn't it? So, but for me, like the trees are, um, oh, I just I you know I'm a, I'm a forest, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but. I, I went past a tree um, 
oh, sometime this week and sometimes I find um, you're walking along and I'm looking at you and I'm going, oh my God, you know, you're magnificent and, and it's like I can feel all this emotion rise mm. when I'm looking when I'm looking at some of these trees and it's like, oh, you know, it's just like this massive wave of, well, I suppose just love. Yeah. It just comes out and it's like, oh, <laughs> it's lovely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so how many thousands of miles have you been walking the land then? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I used to do the walk a thousand mile challenge every year here. In wow, the UK. really? Yeah, so I would just, you know, that was my goal to get out that many miles. Um, this year I'm doing the run a thousand miles challenge, which is actually easier because obviously you can cover more miles when you're running. <laughs> so do, uh, do, you do you pace yourself like you do like so many miles a month so that so you get it done through the year? Yeah, I have a spreadsheet to keep me on track to just make sure I'm doing what I need to be doing every week. And, and that just makes sure that I get outdoors as much as I'd like. Mm, mm. helps keep me on track like i've got to say i haven't i haven't heard of those challenges but then there's, you know, there's lots of things out there yeah. that um you have not heard about yeah the hey, got that's... oh go, go ahead. ahead hey um i just think i put my face on there hey um when we announced that we were going to be doing the show on tuesday night a lady called vera hollands gave me this book mm. The Hidden Life of Trees. Now, I've read up to 16 pages only, 16 pages, and I was getting uh, uh, goosebumps. I was getting, I know that. And um, this is a really profound book concerning yeah. um, how you can get trees and you, you plant them. And what will actually happen, you, you create this community of family. And they will interact and they will their roots go underneath and they, they network. And if one's not getting nourishment, they all feed that particular one that's not getting the nourishment. And when their branches go up and if their branches go into the, the next tree, provided it's of the same family, same species, mm. they will pull back and they won't mm -hmm. interfere with that particular tree so they get the full nourishment. Mm. But what I learned was bloody unbelievable. So <laughs> if they get... Ants coming all over them, or they get caterpillars coming all over them. They send out a toxin, and it goes mm. all the way up through the trees, and it goes out to those leaves. And then those guys are bloody eating them, yeah. and they get all that toxin. So then <laughs> their language, according to this bloke, is scent. And so they put out this aroma, and all the round of the trees in the same species, same family, realize they're under attack. So they all start mm. producing the toxins. Mm. And then what actually happens then is that they have this relationship, the symbiotic relationship with the predators mm -hmm. of caterpillars and predators of the ants. So they all come to the tree and have a feast. I mean, what a fantastic arrangement. And, <laughs> and then I go into the next page and I'm over in Africa in the savannas and it's a bloody giraffes and the giraffes are going in there and they're taking the, the um, acorns or the, yeah, the acorns. Anyway, so when the tree realizes the giraffe's having a go at them, it punches out all those toxins. And then what happens when the giraffe actually starts tasting the toxins, it, it walks off 100 metres because it knows that the scent will travel downwind and so it goes to the next clump because they don't know that they're under attack. Yeah. But these cheeky bloody giraffes, they've actually evolved to another level of consciousness. They go upwind mm. because 
up when those ones up there don't know the other ones down wouldn't have been attacked. I thought, bloody hell, these trees are really bloody awesome, aren't they? You know, like, and when the, the grandfather, the grandmother tree gets chopped down and it's only the stump, the family will come and nurture it and you often see the little shoots come off the stump. Mm. I thought, how powerful is that? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think a lot of things are coming out now that are going to change the way people see trees, not just like, the, I mean, this is a fantastic book and teaches you a lot of the technical aspects of forestry and and trees and how they they engage. But more and more studies are being done about trees and things that we never would have thought of before. And I think people are going to start seeing trees in a very different way. Mm. Fabulous. Yeah, because, you know, when you see when they're um, clearing land in different yeah. places and all the trees. <laughs> um, yeah, but, you know, it just depends where you are in life and where you're coming from and, and how you work with them, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah. Mm. So I, I believe you've written quite a few other books as well. Yes. Um, I've written some books on business mindset. I've written books on all of my walking adventures. I've written some... Um, personal development books. Uh, so I've got a book called The Year You Want, which is answers. It's kind of a workbook to answer a bunch of questions about what you want to experience in the coming year. Um, I've got some short reads books about little personal development topics. Uh, a couple of my books have been translated into Spanish, including the tree book. Um, yeah. Mm. 25 books in all, I think. Really? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Keeps you busy then. Yes, it does. <laughs> So when you go off on holidays anywhere, do you go anywhere um, special to connect with more forests in different lands or anything like that? No, I haven't. You know, I um, haven't really traveled much the last couple of years, as most people haven't. Um, yeah. And there's so many places I still want to see here in the UK that I haven't really felt the need to to explore beyond. But yeah, there are beautiful places all over the world to see trees oh, yeah amazing so where would you like to go over here that you haven't been before then um well i'm walking the coast to coast uh, with a couple of friends at the end of april so that's going to be a very different type of scenery and land that i'm not used to because i don't go up north very often um so that's going to be great I would like to spend more time in the Southwest. Uh, I've got a friend that lives out there and I, it just really calls to me. Um, but, but I really love where I live, you know, because it's, it's one of the most wooded counties and there's just a lot of trees here. So mm. you, you don't get that in other parts of the country. Yeah. Cause I know reading your book, a lot, a lot of the trees are all around Surrey and, yeah. you know, like I said, I, I haven't been, um, to sorry, I don't really know that side of the world, but um, mm. you know, there's obviously a, a lot there, like you say. Mm. Yeah, Surrey and Sussex are the most wooded counties, so are so they? if you love trees, it's a great place to visit. Yeah, yeah. But other so, places, you know, as well, like I mentioned, Savernick Forest, which is in Wiltshire, um, gorgeous, gorgeous ancient oaks there, and they've all got names, signs with their names on them, so it's it's really nice. And you've got a little map you can go around and see them all. So mm. it's nice. I know. Um, Years ago, uh, I worked in Layhill Prison. Um, mm. uh, I, I used to do the telephone systems there. And um, they had, um, right at the back of the prison, they had like a mini Stonehenge that they'd set up. And mm. then through the gates again, they had their own um, 
woodland area and there were many many trees in it all varieties and they were all labeled with their what you know what they thought their ages were mm. um but through there and i used to love walking through there because there was just so many different trees but apparently as it, it was on a ley line as well so mm-hmm. so so it was really powerful um but and a lot of these places i think is it would be lovely if they put the names of the trees yeah. so that people you know because you know, I've bought different tree books and then I'm out and I'm thinking, I wonder what tree that is. But then I haven't got my book with me, you know. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think it'd be lovely if people started putting, or parks went around putting mm. the trees. And if they don't know the age, they could put roughly from yeah, opening up people's recognition of different yeah. trees. Yeah, and, and helping people understand how old trees can be. Mm. I mean, especially yew trees. We've got ancient, ancient yew trees here. Um, there's one in my book that has a, a certificate that says it's 1,700 years old. Estimated, of course, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, when you think about what was going on in the world 1,700 years ago, you, it makes you realize just how long these trees have been here. Yeah, that's in Savernick. That's the original queen oak. It's Gorgeous, gorgeous old tree. So what oak trees do when they get old is they start dropping their crown and they start kind of pulling back their resources so that they don't have to send their resources out to this giant canopy. Um, And this one is so old. She's lost most of her canopy, but she's she's hanging in there. Mm. And I think going back to Burnham Beaches, some of them were, oh, I can't remember the years, but they were a lot older. And then some of those oaks, they were really... Mm really ancient and yeah. really funny and there is a, a couple there that they have got um a fencing all around and they've yeah. got them propped up to keep them going um mm. but yeah no oak trees are my favorite um mm. oh no one of my favorites yeah so, <laughs> mine too so any other tips um in connecting with trees um or any other stories that you would love to share? Yeah, I would say if you're curious about this, find a tree that you that kind of grabs your attention. Find a tree that you're drawn to. Find a tree that you either catches your eye or you keep going back to and go to that tree because there's some reason why you feel connected to that tree. And so start there and just spend some time with it and you know you might not get any messages the first time you try you might need to come back again and again or you might get it on the first go but just remember to slow down spend some time and just realize that the connection might come through any means so so you might hear a voice you might see a symbol like an image you might smell something you might taste something you might feel something in your body those are all different types of clear senses and those are the very subtle ways of communicating that you the tree might use to get that message so everyone kind of has their preferred method of mm-hmm. of getting these messages you don't know what yours is going to be until you start playing around with it but yeah and i think like some of the trees i've hugged in the past i've not sort of looked to see what's crawling up and down and many a time i found like oh <laughs> covered mm. in ants yeah <laughs> Yeah. Have to put out the scent. Hey, um, <laughs> I noticed that um, I just put this up. Holly's a member of the Druid Order, OBOD. So you got me really captivated here. So I started becoming um, espionage, you know, like 
MI6. Doing your research. Yeah, so um, the order of bards, abets, and druids. I thought that was really interesting, particularly um, when you went into knowing all about the mystery school and yeah. and how um, this particular site um, mm. had so much information. And I think yeah. that anyone who's walking a personal growth course, if they jumped on that and just looked at what this was all about, because you know the word bard, you know, was really a a musician, singer, mm. a storyteller, and uh, Avates was more or less a seer and a doctor or a healer, mm -hmm. and the Druid was a philosopher, you know, teachers, <clears throat> and the ones who, who study and watch um, of life itself and the interaction between um, animals, plants, and the stars. I have to say, it was a fantastic, bloody big subject that you've opened up tonight. Yeah, that's a great. I'm glad you went and did the research because that's a great website. Anyone that's curious about any of this, the hidden side of nature or why they feel connected to nature or wanting to know more, that's a great place to go. And what I liked was um, in my travels around the UK around August was the harvest. And mm. I have all these um, events at different you know, country communities and they'd be the harvest. And, and of course, when I read that particular section there, I was um, really, really intrigued because you didn't realise how it impacted on other um, cultures, other societies. Mm. Um, and with a similar idea and so forth has been impacted on other countries. Oh, I, I, I want to say thank you for coming on and doing the show tonight because it's really stimulated the whole big ethical conversation between man and its um, role in on this planet, yeah. you know? Yeah. Just putting out the stuff that came through, I was, you know? Yeah. Even Egyptian. Do you want to read out the um, website for some of our listeners that would be um, listening rather than seeing? True, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to do that, or should I? Um, hang on a sec, I'll just go through, because people can then go back and watch the show and save it. But um, uh, <laughs> this one here, I think Philip Carr Gunman. Yeah. Gunman, yeah. Gunman. Gunman. We'd like to acknowledge and give thanks to the excerpts of what the Druids believe. I mean, the whole Arthurian stories of uh, Tellison yeah. and Merlin and Midred, um, one doesn't realize just how important those um, characters are, whether they want to call them mythology or whether mm. you want to call them a, a living testament to um, teachers that have gone before us. And it sounds to me they were teachers who went before us. Yeah. Um, so, if trees could talk, is your book, can you just put it up, Andrea? And so on. And we can get that at Amazon, can't we? Yep, you can get that online anywhere you purchase books. And you can uh, also get it on on the OBOD website, druidry.org. They've got a shop, and you could buy it from them as well. Anyway. And I do have a workbook that goes along with the with the book. It's it's a big A4 book, and it's got kind of the, the questions for reflection and the suggestions of, of activities that the trees had. So 
Oh, that looks That's, amazing. Yeah. How much is how much is the big one to buy? It's actually the same price as the small one because it's got fewer oh. pages, but it's it's a bigger book. So. Bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that looks nice on my bookshelf as well. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, well, okay, so you don't do personal workshops, but you do online courses. I do. Yes, I I'm working on a book on tree communication, um, but it's going slowly, and so I I put together a. a very simple little workshop to get people started um, <clears throat> playing around with tree communication and and then i'm there for any questions that people have so yeah yeah that'd be nice if they started the children the the little children's um taking them more into woodlands yeah. and and nature and um i mean i don't know what schools do you know i've got to be honest and there might be some that they're already doing that but mm. you know and, and like all things i think like with meditation and um mm. if all schools brought that in and you know because mm. all the children are coming in from all walks of life with all yeah. different different issues and 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 what have you and and i think if you brought them all in and you've got them all to close their eyes for five minutes or something yeah. just bring them in and ground yeah. um otherwise they're all like <laughs> yeah you know yeah. but there you know there are schools that are um changing and, and doing more um connecting with nature for little ones and i think that's where we yeah. need to really home in on the children of today don't we yeah absolutely and i think we are very uh blessed in this country that there are a lot of forest schools in the uk and they are becoming more and more popular and hopefully that's the way of the future because mm -hmm. i think that's mm -hmm. as one of the trees in the book uh white road oak says you know take take your family members out into the woods take your children out into the woods help them connect with nature, help them connect with the trees, spread the message, you know, try to get at least one person connecting with nature that, that wasn't before. And, and hopefully yeah. that will kind of have a ripple effect out into the world. But I know, like you say, if you go into um, a more ancient woodland or, you know, where there are lots and lots of trees, and like you say, <clears throat> excuse me, if you just sit there yeah. uh, for a while and then, um, things start to open up don't they or they start to mm. appear because because you've gone into that really relaxed state of being and mm. you know um how can i put it yeah you go into like an altered state of consciousness yeah. don't you? and then yeah. you know you can sort of you think oh did i see something over there or you know because often i'll be i'll be walking along and there's <laughs> and there's like one leaf and it's and it's going like this and i think well there's no other leaf moving it <laughs> all around like so i think well it's one of the fairies catching my attention mm. that's what i like to think anyway <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh that's hey, a um, chalice oh, well, right? yeah yeah no yeah. i mean they, i don't know how long they've been there because um they're like the gatekeepers as you come yeah. in they, they're yeah. first go and say hello to the yew trees yes that's what i always do ever mm -hmm. since the very first time i visited chelswell gardens i just that was what caught my eye and i know there's one over the hill there i can't think um there's a really ancient yew tree um uh, well there were two ancient oak trees gog and magog that were yeah they're no longer there but yeah no um no further over the hill you know when you're good if you're looking um 
you're going south. But um, is it Dundas or somewhere like that? Hmm. I can't, I can't think true. now, but I know there's um, a church there, and I think they it's over 5,000 years old. Oh. Just, just, uh, I'll have to look next time I'm down that way. But um, yeah, because yeah, yew trees seem to be all in churchyards, don't they? For some yes. reason. And what, yes. what is the reason behind that? Is there a, a purpose that they are holding the energy there? Uh, well, one of the theories is that yew trees uh, are toxic to humans and also to certain animals. And a lot of people think that they're planted there to keep cattle and other um, livestock away from the churchyards. But but in some cases, the yew trees predate the churches. So, so who <laughs> <Yeah>. knows? <laughs> mm, interesting, yeah. Um, and what about... Um, herbal remedies is is there much from trees that you can um make into a, a tincture of any sort um tinctures yes i mean hawthorn can be can be used as a heart tincture obviously train in how to do this before you just start doing it on your own um mm. but also uh flower essences you can you can make tree essences as well mm. um of a lot of different trees of you know willow all kinds of trees and yeah, you can work yeah. with the spirit of the tree through the essence mm -hmm. hey um as with our mate um a guy called bill harris and we went down to penzance and um, mm. bill was doing the saturday show and the friday show was yuri geller <clears throat> and um yuri geller did something that i've never seen anybody else do and um I've only brought the subject up now because it revolves around our subject we're talking about today. And um, he's up on the main stage and he's got um, all these packets of seeds and he's actually picked a guy out of the audience to come and pick a packet. And this guy went and picked um, radishes. And um, so he snipped them there. I don't know. Before, so he picks those radishes. And then um, Yuri then gets all these kids to come up on the stage and he puts them in a semicircle shape. So they're facing the audience. And then he proceeds to go around to each one of those children and ask them to open their palm of their hands. And he goes and sprinkles radishes, the seeds, in each one of those kids' hands. And so he does it in himself. And then he's got his um, member of the family with a big camera. So everybody can see it on the big screen what's taking place. And he goes to the kids and says, okay, one, two, three, grow. One, two, three, grow. And of course, <clears throat> trying to get the kids back in the sink. And so finally, he gets them all in the sink. So they go, one, two, three, grow. One, two, three, grow. So he goes around. He's got his palm of his hand closed. And he goes around and says, okay, let's have a look at yours. And so as each child opens them up, they all get, oh. <laughs> yeah, all right. So anyway, gets around and finishes all the kids. And then he goes there and he goes like that. And he opens up and he's got his son there, his brother and all whatever. And he just goes like that, and there's this radish seed that's actually sprouted, you know? Anyway, so he then turns around to the audience, and he's saying, da, 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 birthday, birthday. And he goes to this girl, is it your birthday today? And she said, yes, come here. So when she comes up to the stage, he goes and gives her, that's how big that seed is. There's a seed there, there's the root mm. structure, there's the leaf structure, and he hands it over to her. Now, that's just amazing, a relationship where you're actually generally telling those seeds you can grow given permission mm. yeah it's just it's the same sort of relationship with 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 humans isn't it i mean um there was a story in the late 60s in america where um they did an experiment to see 
how positive and negative can work. And so they sent out these trays and they had um, the control one where the, the story was on the control seeds, you couldn't say anything to them. And then you had another series of seeds and you had to say, <clears throat> you're not going to amount to anything. You're not going to amount to anything. <clears throat> and the other ones you say, aren't you lovely? You're just going to be awesome. Power of positive thinking, yeah? And so over a period of time, and they then called in all the, ex all the experiments to come back in. The ones who weren't going to amount to anything, no, except there was all these sequences of coming back and they were, Amazing enough, there was ones that actually started to grow, and there's ones that were actually taller than the ones who say they're going to lovely, you're going to amount to something and do wonderful stuff. And yet, the ones that were the control with no love at all, they just didn't really amount to anything. But why was these ones who were told they weren't going to amount to anything? How come we got these ones that came in with some growth? And it turned out to be grandmothers, <laughs> and the grandmothers said to them look i know we're not supposed to say this but i really love you <laughs> <laughs> so you don't realize just how powerful your thoughts and how your words are and if you can do that to seeds just like the mustard seed you know the three days it's going to grow well trees are showing you and plants are showing you that you can really do extremely well and people who've got green thumbs and green hands obviously have that connection with the with the plant but also the, the divas that work with that particular plant so when you said at the beginning of the show how you feel that's just going to open up and people's consciousness to do with body, you know vegetation and plants and trees yeah. I, I think you're on the cusp there holly it's fantastic to have you here tonight to thank you for having me bring it forth <laughs> isn't it? talking uh, of um grandmothers and and i remember reading somewhere in your book about I don't know whether it was a set of grandmother trees or a set yeah. of witch, witchy trees. Yeah. Both. <laughs> or both. Both, right. Oh, would you like to, um, um, yeah, like share any anything to do with the witch trees or the grandmother trees? Yeah, the grandmother trees are a special little grove of trees. It's very young yews. Um, by looking at them, they wouldn't probably catch your attention. But for some reason, I've always felt drawn to go to that space special part of the woods and it's not very far from where I live I can walk there from my house and it just always called to me and I just kept going back and kept going back and kept going back and then when I was collecting the stories for the book they had a chapter that was all about personal power and it was a very very powerful message that they had for me and that they had for the readers of the book and it just it made me realize you know we're so drawn to like the big trees the ancient trees but these trees are fairly young. There's mm. that they're they're not much to look at, but the energy that they hold and the message that they have is just as valuable as an older tree, like these beaches that you're looking at right now. So, yeah, don't don't judge a tree by its size. Yeah, um, they've they've they're tapped into ancient wisdom. So, mm. any and tree and every tree can give you something useful. And if we could see the underground system of, you know, like as above, so below, of all the roots, how they all intertwine. Mm. And um, I know I saw um, a picture, I don't, I don't think it was a video, of ants underground. And I'm, mm. oh, my God, the tunnels and the twists. Yeah. It was such a work of art. It was phenomenal. 
And then I think, well, if you could only see the root structure underneath um, yeah. of how, well, it's just, it's just amazing. I mean, nature, mm. you can, nature does its own thing. And, you know, mm. you, like they say, you know, you think, well, why didn't this happen? And, oh, I thought this was going to happen. But it's like a flower. Mm. It only blooms when it's ready. And I think that's yeah. you know, a lesson for a lot of us that, you know, we're thinking, oh, I wish this was going to happen. And, you know, we've been told mm. this is going to change and, you know, the big shift and, and you're sort of all waiting or, well, speaking for myself then, <laughs> um, then you think, oh, well, why hasn't it happened yet? But obviously you don't know behind the scenes. So again, with a flower or a tree, you don't know how that structure is going and, and when it's ready and a little bit of warmth and the sunshine. So it's like things that we all need ourselves. You know, we need yeah. to drink plenty of water, yeah. and not tap water, you know, go for filtered water mm. and, and um just have such an awareness of what we're putting into our body, what mm. we're saying. I mean, I bless everything, everything I eat or drink, I always bless, always have done. Mm. Um, and, you know, there's all these little things that make a difference to our, you know, and I suppose if we take a leaf out of nature, if you pardon the pun, <laughs> um, it, it is about slowing down. It's about being, because you can't force things. Things have to open at their own time. So, mm. You know, nature is a great um, educator for us, really. Mm -hmm. isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the more people spend time in nature and the more people spend time in nature throughout the seasons and throughout the year, you just start to absorb that lesson. You know, each season passes, each season changes, like there are cycles, like you just start to absorb that as part of the reality of world and and so, so many times we can just kind of get stuck in like oh this the current situation that i've got is terrible i'm never going to get out of it things are never going to change but it will it will pass mm. it will change and i think that wisdom uh the wisdom of nature is really helpful in in reminding us of that mm. Mm. i saw um i think somebody put up a message earlier did they i saw it flash up i didn't really was that a question or um, just, no, not from Vera. There was another person. But thank you, Vera, for that. Oh, yeah. Be one with nature. Humans are just like trees, soul and spirit, sun and soil. We accept trees as they grow, looking for light without judging them. We should look at people as we look at trees. Mm. Mr. John Courtney. Uh, he's up in New York State from memory. And I suppose like trees are like people, you know, they're all shapes and sizes, all colours. Yes. Some bent over and some upright. And <laughs> Yes. And that was one of the things that the trees kind of kept reminding me of, that they're all individuals. They all have individual personalities. You can't just say beech trees are like this and yew trees are like that and oak trees are like that. Um, they all have their own personalities. So, mm. And it's amazing, like you say, how they all intertwine. And I mean, I didn't know where you said I was some step back to allow others to come in. Mm. And I suppose, you know, if you think about it, like with your grandmothers and your elders with the wisdom, they'll step back when they know they need to, but they're yeah. there, you know, holding space. And, you know, so it, you know, like nature is such a great teacher. And, mm -hmm. and then I know um, a long time ago, I've got a friend, well, she's passed on now, but she used to, 
um, work with the masters and all sorts. And she got called to go to a tree that was ancient, but it was by the side of a house and it was leaning. So, of course, everybody was up in arms. It was going to fall on this house mm. um, and what have you. So anyway, they called her in to communicate with the tree and the tree told her it was going to it was solid. It wouldn't harm the house and it was going to be there for I think it was around another 20 years. And then when, when it is ready to go, they would know. But the tree was going to be made into boats. It was going to be made into garden chairs. And, and the tree said, my energy would go on and on. Hmm. You know, and I thought that yeah. was such a lovely um, message. Yeah. Um, so obviously, you know, well, that was a long time ago now. But yeah, and I mean... To sit around a campfire at night, you know, and using the wood to, for just connecting again and being out in nature. And I think for a lot of us in different places, we can't get out and do campfires. And, mm. and I think this is, you know, if we could have more places where people could come on an evening and sit around a campfire, mm. sit and talk. But, of course, the weather over here is not always... <laughs> um, but all these little things certainly make a difference, don't they? Yes, yes, they do. That's the, they do. And that was one of the reasons why I stopped doing running walks is because so many people would sign up and then it would be raining and so they'd cancel. And it was like, <laughs> get the gear that you need so that you can be outdoors in any weather. I mean, we mm. have fairly mild weather in the UK. Yes, it rains. Yes, it's wet. Yes, it's gray. But you can get out like it's not freezing in those parts so so i think I, that's another thing i would encourage people to do is is get outdoors even in the winter even when it's raining just challenge yourself to to give it a try it's it's not terrible it's you know if you've got the right you know hood and jacket and waterproofs like you'll be fine you won't melt um mm. and i think experiencing the elements obviously in a safe manner be you know check the weather report, be responsible, but but getting out in different types of weather can also be a really great experience mm. because you're, you know, you're experiencing the rain. You're not just looking at it through the window. Um, and I think it's all very valuable in terms of, of connecting with nature. Mm. Mm. I mean, I love... I love the autumn time, the winter when the leaves are all on. I, that's my favorite time of year. I just mm. love being back. Um, you know, for that sort of time of year. But then, you know, you're going through springtime and all the little bulbs. I thought, oh, this is so yeah. lovely. So, you know, I think that's my favourite. But as each each season goes on, then it brings out its own beauty, eh? Yes, yes. Yeah, it's lovely. Right, so let's talk about the trees itself and the spirit of the tree. So when you go through the forest and all that stuff and you get a pull hmm. to a tree... And obviously you either hug it or you sit down and put your back to it. In your film of communication, is it what, what aspect of your seeing, if you, if you want to look at it as a seer, do you actually get insights or you get a feeling or you smell or um, how does you all get your communication? Because I noticed that you mentioned in in your little bio there that you're born in California and then it looks to me like your second language is Spanish. Yep. Yes. Yes. That's what I was saying. Sorry. Sorry. I mean, I saw that and I sort of, oh, you understand English, you understand Spanish. So obviously you understand the language of trees. So. <laughs> 
I don't think you need to be bilingual to to understand the language of trees. I think you just need to relax and be open. Um, but yeah, I think I think being open is a very important part of of connecting with trees. And I again, I hear a voice in my head that's very different from my inner voice. It's they trees always use language that's very different from the way I use language. But different people will pick up the messages in different ways. So it's important to remember that you know you might get images, symbols, size, smells, sounds, feelings in your body. Um, so the message may come to you in, in many different ways. So um, I'm going to go to Walt Disney and his um, cartoons and animations and stuff. And, you know, we have the guardian of the forests and stuff. Do you actually sense that whilst you've got the relationship with the tree, you also then get the over soul of, of the forest that comes in the guardian of the forest if you had that relationship or even um pan the sort of the nature god who comes in or the green man if you want to call it as such uh no i haven't because i haven't really haven't really made the intention to connect with those energies um the focus of my work has been connecting with individual trees so far so so that's what i've been connecting with and that's what i'm doing for my next book on trees so yeah. Right. But I think I think it all depends on what you set the intention. So, you know, as we were talking about fairies earlier, do you want to connect with fairies? Do you want to connect with um, water spirits? Do you want to connect with tree spirits? Do you want to connect with plant spirits? Like know, know what you want to experience and set that intention before you go out into nature. And then your energies will be more focused on those spirits. Because this is very subtle, you know, it's not like us now we're talking out loud, we're seeing each other, like it's it's very clear and we're used to this type of communication. Whereas I think spirit communication is very subtle and that's why you have to really slow down and open up and tune in. Okay, so with um, the willow tree, which became the founding um, of bringing out the aspirin, have you found that when you've gone to the particular tree that they've actually given you recipes that could be used as in terms of uh, natural medicine or even for um, food preparation? No, they haven't. Um, but last year I did a seven month ethnobotany course where I did learn a lot of those things. So, um, so yeah, and, and I feel like that really deepened my, my connection with nature as well as learning the practical side of how humans can work with nature and trees and plants. Right. And um, the thing is with the trees, you actually get a feeling or a sensation that they would prefer to be placed in a different environment. You know, like if they're going to be say on the leeward side of a mount, mountain or a hillside, so they're not getting the full blast of us. Well, what do you call it? This from the North sea, what's that North, um, Northeasterly coming in, I suppose. Mm. So they prefer to be on the South side of a hill. So they get plenty of sunshine. I'm talking about the Northern hemisphere here. Mm. Yeah. Rather than the Southern hemisphere. So, um, yeah, do you actually get a sense of perception of if you had to go planting where you would actually plant certain species of tree to suit that um, level of soil or composition of um, yeah. substructure? I, I think that's a really good question. Um, I haven't really worked with trees that have been planted with the exception of one tree in the book. All the other trees have been just naturally seeded okay. there. Um, trees that have just naturally come about. So um, there's only one tree I, I spoke with in the book that had been planted and it was part of a plantation of trees and it was a tree that was being grown for, for its wood. Um, but yeah, I would assume that trees that are located in a stressful location would prefer to be somewhere perhaps easier, but 
Even if they're planted, would they then tell you to go and get another species of tree because they're more hardy and they could actually as a windbreak? I mean, I'll just find that yeah, out. Yeah, they, they, they might. They might, yeah. Because obviously different trees have different uh, they different lifespans, different preferences in terms of soil, as you said. So, yeah, I think, I think if you are going to plant trees, do the research. Don't just pop a bunch of trees in the ground and hope for the best. Like, make sure that you're putting them in a place where they will thrive. Yeah, we're, in Australia here, we've got camphor laurel trees and they're quite often, you find them along river courses or you find them along fence lines. And that's primarily because been, the seeds have been carried in the wind or the mm. birds have carried them and they've been sitting on the fence line and they dropped them and yeah. hence they've grown near at the fence line and impinged on the on the fences. So I suppose that's one way of propagating is just yep. natural selection of, of birds and insects and weasels or squirrels or something. Yeah. Yeah. Right, Andrina, you got to turn yourself back on. Andrina, you got to turn yourself back on. You muted yourself. Oh yeah, I had a call. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, right, I was thinking about Christmas trees. I just mm. love um, Christmas trees, and but I really find I just think I wish people would buy one plant in a pot so mm. that it can be put outside i really it really upsets me when i see all these christmas trees just thrown away mm. afterwards um i yeah anyway but that's my um hang up on it but then i was you know i was thinking about this ages ago and and it was sort of the message was that they've they're, they've only come for a short time they grow and then they've got a few weeks of being dressed and looked at and loved and then they've completed their role. Well, I, I found that acceptable then. <laughs> you know, they, they look, they do look lovely at Christmas. And I think, you know, wherever you go, everybody's got their, tr most yeah. of their trees lit up and, yeah. and it's a special time. And um, so, you know, when, when, you know, when the mess, that was the message um, and I thought, yeah, okay, I, I need to look at this differently. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So they've only been grown for that purpose. And yeah, I mean, obviously everyone's going to have their own ethical perspective on this. And I mm. think everyone needs to do what's right for them. But yeah, I mean, they have been grown for that purpose. And that's it's, life. It, yeah, yeah, that's their life, sadly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But as yes. you say, I mean, there is the option of, of buying a tree in a pot and, mm -hmm. and either planting it in your garden afterwards or, you know, finding another place for it. But of course, that's every year. If you're going to be buying a tree, that's well, yeah, yeah. You could start your own tree forest, for <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Have them all around the land. But yeah, yeah, so yeah, I understand that. So okay, um, just before we finalise and sum up, what question should we be asking you? Oh, that's an excellent question. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think we've talked about everything. I think the most important thing is is how to get started connecting with nature and how to get started connecting with the trees. And, and we've discussed that, you know, just go outdoors, find a tree, spend some time with it and just be open to whatever happens, you know, be open to possibilities and just mm. go with it. But, but get outdoors, get outdoors, get outdoors. Is it more feminine, um, more associated with females or more intuitive who, who go out into the woods and hug the trees and get a feeling and sensation. I mean, they do the dancing, like become nymphs and all that stuff as a male who's sort of a bit 
focus and one dimensional. Would you say that the female is more attuned to tapping into this um, form of consciousness? No. No, absolutely not. I think I think anyone can connect with trees. If you have the intention, if you have the interest, if you have the curiosity, give it a try. <clears throat> As I said, slow down, give yourself time. But anyone can do it, male or female. It's there's no, no, no. Good. Yeah, okay. anyone's got it. <laughs> and um, leading on to that one, uh, have you come to discover that trees are either male or female or, or they're unisex? Well, biologically, yes. Um, a lot of trees will have both male and female flowers in the same tree, whereas some trees will have male, male flowers on one tree <clears throat> and female flowers on another tree. However, that doesn't always coincide with the voice that I hear in my head um, when I'm speaking to the tree. So, yeah, it's I, I think a lot of the trees, a lot of the times I hear a male voice in my head when I'm speaking to a tree. Um, and sometimes I'll hear female, but most of the time it's a male voice. Do you think that that's a group soul? As a, you know, like a, the family or the species of, the, of that particular tree? It's, it's the, over, the overarching it, of that particular consciousness? It might be. I don't know. Um, mm. You know, as I said, I've been mostly communicating with individuals, so I don't think so. Yeah. Um, however, there have been groups of the trees, like we spoke about the grandmothers, the three witches, um, the four knights. Those were all kind of small groups of trees that were communicating together. So, right. Um, one, one other thing. Um, I know I did, um, oh, I think it was a druid course years and years ago. And I remember they were saying a circle of trees to sit in the middle of a circle mm -hmm. of trees is a real magical place. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a picture that you showed earlier of me sitting in, I think that was the Four Nights, and there are several trees up on Windmill Hill near Avebury where you can sit in the center of the tree, and it's just, it's really lovely. Mm -hmm. And and that tree as well, the tree that we're looking at now, that's that's near Avebury, that's by in a churchyard in Alton Prior, I think, and and that's the 1700-year-old yew, and you can actually sit in in the middle of it because the it's it's so old that the trunk is split, so you've got that center area where you can sit in it. And one other thing, I know I've taken pictures and um, of um, tree trees that look like dragons. They they look like all different, you know, and it's all of a sudden you see this, you know, this, oh, my God, look at that. You know, there's, yeah. there's, so, much, there's so much out there yeah. if you've got the eyes to see and you're, and you're ready to sit and just allow things to open up for you, isn't it? Hmm. Yeah. I've got to say, um, in Glastonbury there, you have the Goddess Festival. You know? yeah. So um, when uh, my mate Willem uh, took me into Glastonbury for that particular event, and you got all those um, females with their long skirts and all different colours, and out the front is the the solitary male, and he's all dressed up with his um, antlers and all that stuff, and mm. giving green stuff, and he's called the Green Man. Yeah. Um, have you participated in that type of um, ceremony? And no, no, my uh, Druid Order does ceremonies in Glastonbury twice a year in the summer and in the winter, and I've participated in those, but yeah. uh, not not the other ones. Hey. Um, my claim to fame is I actually met um, Arthur Pendragon, head of the Druids. Mm. And that was fortuitous because we happened to be down at Avebury to the oh. St. Michael, St. Mary um, ley line. And it was a blue moon. And it was a bit more than a blue moon because the sun was setting and at 180 degrees opposite, 
the moon was rising. Mm. And so I'm just standing there on the top of that moat thing, if you want to call it as such. And I'm just participating, watching this under an 80 degree thing. And next second, there's these seven dudes all wearing bloody sheep skins and bloody cattle, bloody hides and bloody cow horns and all that stuff. And they come wandering up. <clears throat> I mean, they've got, they could be anywhere in the field. Yeah. Anywhere. They come and stand next to me. <laughs> I mean, it's a bloody empty field, but I'm, they're coming next to me. So this guy stands there and says, oh, where's my sword? So this woman comes along and gives him this big sword. So he goes, boom, 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 boom. And he comes to me and he's giving me the eye, you know. And I'm thinking, right, okay, right. Now he hands back the sword. Then he says, where's my cup? And this woman, another woman comes and gives him the cup. So he drinks the cup and he goes, boom, 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 boom. I'm thinking, what's going on here? Anyway, um, so where's my wand? And so this gets his bloody wand and he goes northeast, southwest. And I think, there you go. And he says something away in language I don't even know. And then he just bows to all four corners. Then they up and go and they go down to the red line for a drink, <laughs> which is the pub for those people who are yeah. listening. So <laughs> anyway, this lady here who just come on, <clears throat> Jocelyn, she's from yeah. Bloody Churchill. Her husband, Mark, comes running up and he said, how did you know that was taking place? You know bloody Arthur. I said, Who's Arthur? He said, Arthur Pendragon, mate. He's the head of the Druids. I said, you're joking. I said, no, I had no idea. It was just a bloody fortuitous bloody thing. <laughs> he said, oh, it was some, some um, ceremony for the um, the blue moon and the fact that the moon was rising and the sun was setting. I thought, oh, okay. Mm. How, how amazing is that? So, um, yeah, but fancy that going down the red line for a drink after that ceremony. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so you should. All right. Well, um, anything else to say, Andrina? No, that's lovely. Really enjoyed listening to your wisdom from the trees. So, um, and I think you know a lot of people will be taking on board what you've said and and doing their best to communicate with trees and just be in nature. Mm. Well, thank you for having me. No, it's been our pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, just before you go, I just put that little if trees could talk with Holly, and then I'll just say where you can get it. Um, from your website there and then um where else you got it um good reads in it yeah uh you can you can get the book anywhere where you purchase books online whether that's amazon or other online bookstores yeah so the fact that i've got it up there they can come back later and yeah. just move along and get it right yeah andrina anything else nothing else no i mean i like i said i am finished reading this book well you can see and I've sort of backtracked and I've come mm. forward and then so I'm really looking forward to read to reading the rest of it. But I just seem to be still at the top end. <laughs> mm. So, yeah, no. So it's a lovely book. My favourite. Oh, thank you. All right. Thank you. For, and, um, and I'm sure you girls can uh, celebrate St. Patrick's Day with a, um, <laughs> a green drink somewhere along the line. And ne next <laughs> week's guest, we've got Justin Newland. So. And he's an author as well, and he's from yeah, yeah. He's written some books. He's from Somerset as well, so he's going to be sharing his wisdom next week. Okay, bless you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Holly. It's been thank you unbelievable, mate. It just opened up everybody's consciousness here. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah.